What's going on, guys? We are here in the bowels of TD Place Arena in Ottawa, getting ready for the first week of Volleyball Nations League. We get kicked off tomorrow. But first, before that, we are here with the newly appointed head coach of Canadian Volleyball, the newly head appointed head coach of the Maple Volleys, Mr. Ben Josephson. First of all, coach, congratulations on the appointment. Congratulations on your new job. Personally, I can't think of anyone else within the Canadian Volleyball sphere who sphere sorry who would be uh, more deserving than you there's there's a few p people up up there but you know given your track record over the past decade i think it's more than deserved so so congratulations yeah, thanks what does it mean to you to be head coach of team canada well, I, this is the this is the dream this has always been the end game there's nothing bigger in coaching than coaching your country so coaching team canada as a canadian in uh, in my chosen profession this is it like this is there's no no greater job in the world than than this one so that's how i look at it it seems like it's trinity is a pretty hard place to leave considering the numbers of years you've been there as an athlete assistant coach and, yeah. now, and now head coach is this really the only job that you would consider leaving that situation for yeah i think the way i joke about it is i was at trinity for 22 years so 22 years i was a spartan but i've been a canadian all my whole life so there's the one thing that supersedes my time at Trinity is, is this. And uh, so I think that that's kind of the way we look at it. And um, yeah, I loved my time at Trinity, but again, the opportunity to expand and coach your country at the highest level there is and try to do something that's never been done before is the challenge of, of, a, of a career, of a lifetime. You mentioned kind of like, like when, when did you start thinking about coaching for the national team? Like when was that kind of the, the, the ultimate goal for you? Some kids probably dream about playing at the Olympics and, oh, you know, winning Olympic. I had never dreamt about that because I knew it wasn't good enough. So, but when I started coaching, then I'm like, oh, you don't have to be a world-class athlete to still go to the Olympics. So maybe, maybe when I started coaching, of course, that became the childhood dream of like, this is how to go to the highest level. So honestly, probably day two of coaching is like, well, this would be the dream. So what's the, what's the best level you can possibly coach at? It's at the Olympic Games. So then that became you know the wild dream when you're laying at night and thinking about what could be that that was it so um the idea of now and then to do it for your own country is probably the best part of that dream you know winning an olympic medal for any country would be great but doing whenever you can find your profession and your heart can combine and i think that's why trinity was so great for me because i played there and i will never care about a university more than i would care about the one i played for and I will never care about a country more than my country. So the idea of my heart plus my, my career goals all blending, I mean, that's the perfect storm for, uh, I guess, performance and, and investment and care and belief and all of those tools that drive us to, to really be, be great at stuff. Now, indirectly, you've had a huge hand in building this team over the past 10 years. You know, we've talked about it at length before, the number of Spartan athletes who have gone on to wear the, the white and blue of Trinity Western to come on to wear the, the, the black, red, and white of Team Canada. You've been in the Canadian program for a while now, both on the men's side and the women's side at different levels, but what's it like now putting on that, that sweater, that shirt, that, that jacket every day with Team Canada on, on your chest? Yeah, I told my wife a few times when I come home after a practice, and she's like, how was it? Is it, is it? Are you getting used to it? I'm like, no, like I will not get used to. And, I, you know, as I'm saying, I get in tingles and juice, you know, in my spine. Is I'll never get used to the idea that this is the country's best volleyball players 
and we get to go line up against the other best players in the world. I mean, that will never, I'll never get over how exciting that is. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what, what else to say about that. that uh, as far as, I think the, the, what's made Canada great so far and what's allowed us to make these last Olympic quads and, and be a part of what Glenn was building was it, there is the whole village of the volleyball nation. So yeah, there was, and even we talked about that at Trinity as well is, I mean, think of all the club and high school coaches that produce the players that wore the Spartan jersey and think of all the different university coaches that were a part of producing the quality of men that are now part of our Maple Volleys group. And I think that we're a small volleyball country, but a small army can beat a big army because of mobility. And I think that it has been the strength is we can teach information and adapt our systems faster than a massive volleyball world. So we'll never have the depth of numbers, but that but we could be more mobile and more creative in the way we, we teach our stuff and the way the information flows. So I think, you know, Glenn was great at equipping all of us with some tools to help supply our athletes so they could perform well in there. And I know that there's a chance for us to even do that better. Um, and that's one of the strengths I'll have naturally is I'm very connected to the U Sports coaches currently because I've been with them for the last, you know, you're, you're, years. you're technically still one of them. Yeah, right. Correct. You know, exactly. So the, what an awesome opportunity for us to disseminate information in a way that we can upgrade 32 programs this fall and get those athletes all playing a, a more consistent brand of Canadian volleyball, which will lead to faster upgrades in Gatineau. And, and I think that's their next evolution on top of this beautiful foundation that was built through Rio and Tokyo. You mentioned kind of working with the U-Sort schools. How cool is it to get to coach some of those athletes that have caused you so much harm over the years? You know, the guys like Brett Walsh and, and Riley Barnes, Stephen Marr. Like, these are guys that were thorns in your side for many years, and now you guys are on the same net together. Totally, and I recruited all those kids. Of course. When they yeah. were kids. Yeah. But now they're men, and now I get to be on the same side of them. And like you said, it was so awesome and fun to compete against those guys when they were in college. I really wanted them to play for me, and so I recruited them heavily. And now it's it's just neat to all just join forces and line up, look in the same direction, and put a flag on your shirt. And so, I mean, you know, I've admired their games uh, as from across the net, and now that they've been overseas, and it's just so fun to collaborate with these guys. So, I mean, the main three pillars we talk about that are foundational to what we're about is problem solving, collaboration, and relationships. And that collaborative approach with these pros has just been so fun. Is Steve, what do you like to do? And great, you love this, and this is what I like us to do. And then we're figuring out a, a problem solving the solutions and just talking to these uh, professionals and all of the things they've learned through their Olympic quads and their professional teams has just been super eye-opening and exciting because the game is still the game at every level. The, the principles of volleyball don't change, but the precision and the, the decision-making component of it is just – it's so cool to watch kind of how these pros operate. It's just another level. You talk about collaboration, and there's collaboration on the coaching staff, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got Brock, Brock Davidek as one of your assistant coaches, and he's literally been your biggest rival mm -hmm. for, for how many years, just just beat you in, in a national final. Mm -hmm. What prompted you to like get on the phone and be like, Brock, I want you to be on the squad? Yeah, so the, the most important thing is we have to get the whole nation on board with us, with what we're trying to do. And the f we just targeted which coaches. Uh, so, I mean, the first phone calls I made were Dave Preston and Brock Davidek, you know, so because the majority, there are more of our national team athletes at those two schools. And then Mike Hawkins is the other one. And then Schreimer's at Trinity f coaching where I was. So 
those were the those four schools right now the majority of our athletes in our system have come from those four schools so that there's the first four calls but then all of a sudden now now that's a call to you know mount royal and it's a call to queens and it's a call to you know everyone like oda's out here doing the next gen from dallin so the next summer we got to get another group of, of coaches in and so we need all the coaches in the country all showing up to gatineau investing in the, the next generation but brock and dave were my first calls because I've had to compete against those two coaches long enough to know how special they are at their craft. And then when you get to know their players and how highly they speak of Brock and Terry and, and Dave like from their, their former players, you just get to a little bit of an insight to what kind of quality men they are. And those are the types of coaches that we want. And I think that's where Canada, we're, we're just so incredibly blessed with how many great people are coaching our players. I mean, obviously great coaches, but I think that's – doesn't get appreciated enough, you know, and as being one of their peers for so long, and I know what kind of quality we have teaching our generation. So we just, now we got to reunite the clans and mobilize the troops. And again, the small army can beat the big army if we're mobile enough. And that's our next generate, our next uh, steps to the development model. I mean, you'd probably have Preston on this, this uh, coaching staff if he wasn't, you know, wearing the Volley Ruse uniform. Yeah. Oh, he was he until. Was. We had him as one of our lead assistants until uh, he, again, he much deserving job. It's Australia, and he he gave me the call and said, "I got this offer," and it was breaking him up because nobody's more Canada than Dave, but yeah. nobody deserves an opportunity to coach international more than Dave either. So Agreed. we're so happy for him, and uh, man, he and I, you know, had had some frustration because we were so excited to work together, and we spent about you know six weeks on the phone and on Zoom starting to set stuff up and. I just think he's the best. I told my wife, I think Dave and I would be best friends if we grew up together. Like, I just think the world of him. And obviously, his, his career speaks for itself. And uh, I can't wait to play those guys in Bulgaria and, and get to, you know, bump shoulders with him again and line up across the net one, one more yeah. time. And now we just got different colored jerseys on. But uh, I'm super happy for Dave, but really sad for us that we don't have him with us. It also speaks to, I've really found that the past decade or so there's been such a huge growth of coaching in Canada and we're seeing the mm-hmm. such good young coaches come through you know you talked yeah. about Mike Hawkins yeah. you've got Matt Kruger on his staff who's yeah. working with the women's team literally coast to coast you've got young guys sprouting up and, and running some some good things do you think the coaching quality in Canada is higher than it's perceived because just because we don't have that pro league do you think we have a lot of pro level coaches who are coaching at the U sport level no, I don't really know about that because I still can't even define what good coaching actually is. I think that's a really, that's a whole nother discussion. That's another discussion, yeah. <laughs> but what I love about what we're doing in Canada is I think that the science of learning and uh, in, in some of the things with motor learning and challenge point hypotheses, different scientific methodologies to coaching are becoming common now. So what was incredibly uncommon five, six, seven, ten years ago is now actually becoming the norm as the younger generation of coaches are moving into spots and the older generation of coaches are really starting to buy into some of the modern science of learning and i think that is upgrading our nation's ability to train athletes and i think we're starting to see that it's one of the reasons i think we're producing our juniors and our next gen our, and our our rosters are getting better faster because i really think our coaching group is great teachers um and uh that's that's letting us bridge the gap a bit you've been in, involved in that coaching group a lot with like the youth and juniors over the over the years how special is it to see kind of those that some of those those groups of athletes grow up throughout the ranks and come on to the national team yeah i think watching these young guys grow up one of the things we remarked in so joe trinzi's 
you know, our lead assistant here, and uh, he spent so much time in the USA system for all over. And that's one of the things he observed of, is how cycle-based our development model is and how much experience that some of these guys have had. I mean, we did a jersey ceremony before the game on Thursday where, you know, everybody got their jersey and had a chance to kind of speak when they fell in love with Canada Volleyball or their first memory. And Brody Hofer told the story of when the man, when he was 10 or 11 years old, and uh, Canada was playing some games at the LEC. He was one of the sweat moppers. So when the guys would dive, he'd run out there. And he's, he remember he said, that one day I want to be one of these guys. And, and here he is, one of these guys. And so we were joking, like, take a look at it. Just be kind to the sweat moppers. They may be playing for us someday. And uh, TJ Sanders did that as well, right? World League back in London. Yeah, Exactly. How cool is that story? But I think um, that watching these guys grow up, it, it, we don't have a lot of athletes uh, playing this game compared to some of the nations we have to beat. But what we do have is, man, like the the love of our country and the love of our, our sport is, is pretty universal. And the legacy that's starting to happen. So we got multiple, you know, legends of the program's sons are starting to come through and start to make their appearance. I mean, obviously Nick was the first. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's Walsh. Walsh. You got Ketrzynski's. Yeah, Ketrzynski's. You got uh, the Greaves boys are coming oh, up yeah, through the system. Oh, yeah, the Greaves. You got uh, Bruce Edwards boys just going to U of A next year. You got Randy Gingera's boys going mm-hmm. to UBC. I mean, this whole generation. I mean, obviously, Dane Pischke's come through. So the neat part is is that we got this beautiful legacy uh, of our of our program in the country. And all this these great sons are starting to play, but also those people they affect around them. So it's it's been awesome watching these young cycles stay together and and uh, i think the brotherhood that gets created when you start playing youth and junior together i mean watching van burkle and, and nick i mean those guys have been playing together since they were 18 years old 17 yeah. years old 2010 right 2009 2010 exactly. when they, yeah and then you get this next generation so like watching sam cooper and matthias elser i mean that they're the part of the same junior cycle so now they're coming up together and it's just neat watching these little pockets of culture that get handed off and uh, I think culture is often like an elastic band ball where as long as the core is solid, then you just keep adding elastic bands to it. And so while the, the external will change the color and change the, the look of it, the core never really gets adjusted. And I think that's what, you know, the, the great coaches from before and Clamala Mew and Brian Watson and Garth and Stelio and Glenn, like they've just stacked up this legacy. And now we just keep adding these elastic bands to it. And now it'll be very different. And I hope it is very different. Because what we've done has been great, but it hasn't won that medal that we're all looking for. So we have to be get closer to that by the end of this quad. So what, would, oh, go ahead. Whether we win it or not, we have to be closer to it than we are now. Mm-hmm. And that's that's my job, and our job is is this group. And if we get it, we get it. If not, we got to be closer. And then twenty eight, me or somebody else will take a run at that, and then thirty two, et cetera. And then once we win one, then hopefully we continue to win them all the time. And that would be the dream. But. There's a, a lot of other really great volleyball nations trying to do the same thing. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's difficult to uh, to medal at the Olympics first first place. It's difficult to do it do it twice in a row. No doubt. Now, do you feel like you are building the everything that you're doing is building on top of like the shoulders of giants that have come before you? One hundred percent. Yep, one hundred percent. I think that it's foolish to think that you know so much of what we've seen build up to this point is fantastic, but we haven't won the medal yet. So that means that we're missing something. And it doesn't mean we have to change things. It means we have to build upon it. So it, everything that Glenn and his staff and, and then the staffs before have done is just fantastic stuff. But until we win that medal, then we haven't done enough. 
and that's that's is the goal of every quad. And the moment that stops being the goal, then we're, we stop being the Maple Volleys. I like that a lot. Was there ever a thought of you to want to go coach pro, want to go pro coach professionally before trying to take on the the national team, or do you, do you not not seeing that it's not necessary, but you know the experience at Trinity Western was enough to before coming here. Um, I think, I think the easiest way to answer that is there's always more to squeeze out of every context. And I don't think I squeezed out everything at Trinity. There were some goals that I had set out that we didn't accomplish. And, and I was very, very prepared to continue to strive for those. Um, but I think you, anytime an opportunity comes up, it's like, where does it fit in your paradigm and what you're about? And, um, being a part of something that is just as just the job is something I've always been concerned of. And uh, this is not this is like a dream scenario. And it means a ton to me. It's not just a volleyball coaching gig, neither was Trinity. And I don't know, I hadn't come across another opportunity that struck my heart the same way. So it was a pretty easy s transition from Trinity to Canada. Um, I don't know what what's next. I've never thought past of this. And let's let's just stay on this yeah. this step this for now. Is, this has always been the end game, yeah, and we, so now we're we're playing it out. We we don't we don't really need to 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 look past. We can we just look at the here and now. And yeah. the here and now, you know, I get got in on Saturday. Got to go watch you guys play France. Got to watch you guys train today. And just speaking with some of the players, it seems like you know there's a lot of learning happening for everyone. You know, as you, as you said earlier, you know, the young guys are coming in, they kind of know the system, but they're learning how to be pros. The pro guys are coming in. This, this, this roster seems to be like a lot of fun. Yeah. And it seems to be, you said something earlier to me that I think was, was awesome. You want to be that team that everyone, that everyone hates to play yeah. and that everyone wakes up in the morning and goes, what did Canada do last night? Yeah. Like there's three, kind of things that you never want to worry about what other people think or say, but there are things that other people think or say that will tell you you're on the right track. And one, we want people to say that Canada is the most improved team in the world. So at the end of this summer, we want that reputation. I don't know what that looks like in wins and losses, but that's what we want because we control how much we improve. We don't control how many matches we win. So we want to be the most improved team in the world every year. And that just you know leads into our principles of collaboration, problem solving and relationships. But there's the other two funner parts, which we want to be that team that everyone, that's hard to play against. So you see, it's like, ah, oh, crap, we got Canada tonight. Those guys are hard to play against. That's a dream. It's when people say that. And then the other one too is I want people around the world to get up and say, oh man, I want to see what Canada did last night. Cause it's a fun brand and it's fun to watch these, these men play. And I think the combination of those three things means we're on the right track. It means we have a great learning environment. We're playing a brand that's fun to watch, but also fun to play. And I think, you know, whenever a game is fun, you have engagement at a really unique, special level. And, and that's, uh, that's what we're hoping for. So, so get up and check the highlights. Oh, trust me, they already are. I posted the France highlights this morning from Saturday, and people are going nuts. Cool. There's already screenshots of how we touch in 12 feet yeah, yeah, just cool. in the gaps. So, but is that... Is that, you know, not dedication to fun, but hoping that this team is, is, you know, a highlight machine. Is that based off of the athletes we have in the gym? Nope. No, I think that's a fundamental belief that we have. It, you know, for us to play well, this has to be the most important thing in the world. 
nothing is more important than playing volleyball and executing and playing for Canada. But on the other hand, it's just rock and roll, baby. Like it's just a fun game with your butts and doing something to express your talent and your creativity and the, the fun you can have in somewhere between those two is this really beautiful performance state that we're trying to achieve. And we're going to play our best when it's the most meaningful thing in the world to us. It's life or death, but it's also it's just a beautiful, fun experience to, to go on and express what, what we've worked hard to be good at. So I think I believe that those things, when you find that balance between the two, great performances are available, and that's truly what we're trying to push. We have a, a reason why we do everything. You have a time and place to be at all times. We have a, a, a very organized way of playing. And then on the flip side, we want just them to be as creative and fun as possible. And uh, that'll be the brand that we'd love to produce match after match. You know, we, we were talking a little bit on, on Saturday about uh, Mark Wilson. Yeah. And Mark Wilson is, is really one of those guys that if you're a Canadian volleyball fan, you probably don't know who he is, right? He didn't go to one of the three big three schools. Yeah. He wasn't a part of junior team programs. He was barely a part of provincial team programs a decade, over a decade ago. Yeah. You know, but... Here's a, a guy that went through the NT, uh, FTC, has put his time in professionally, just won two championships, and the Czech has played Champions League. Yeah. You know, when I asked you about him, you said he fits the mold of what we want to accomplish here. So what, what is it from a guy like Mark Wilson that, you know, he's never really been given a sniff at the national team before, and here he is, he's going to be suiting up for Team Canada tomorrow night, you know, on the roster for his first uh, national team match. So imagine if uh, every U16 coach in the country knew what we were looking for in our middle players, our left side players, our libero players, our setters. And they understand that can't to, to play for Canada, these are the fundamental skills and the fundamental style that we need to have. How much better decisions would our club coaches make with their athlete selections and their roster organization? And if that leads its way right through the university system and right through our next gen or youth team selections if we all understand what we're trying to do and how we what skills and metrics are important to do it man, the best generals have the best intel so if we can find a way to profile each position this this type of athlete will thrive in our system then we just got to start searching for those athletes and start equipping them with the skills and and and, and mindsets to perform their that kind of role in that style then I think we can have a more uniform development model. So right now there's, you know, we, we have a skill gap in Canada between our team and let's say, you know, the best team in the world. Well, there's a couple ways to break the skill. Either you need superior athletes, which we're going to try to have, and we have some. We got we to gotta match up in skill, which we need to get better at, and, we, and the guys are working hard. And two, you can use organization to help close that gap too. And having a more organized both development system, but also a more organized style of play to help minimize some of those gaps. So, so between all of that, then our culture starts factoring in. And that's something that's beautiful already. And then, you know, the end of the game is close. And then I'll bet on this group of men, you know, if it's a two-point game, I know how tough these guys are. So we just got to get all, all those gaps closed to win that medal in that two-point game. And then I'll bet on these guys. So I think part of that is Mark fits this style that we want in our middle play right now. We want, you know, a really dynamic, spiker who can set a long distance set or spike a long distance set and be a really great read blocker and that's those are some of the things that we're putting a premium on right now in our middle players and mark fits that bill so um, whether mark's the best middle in the country or not mark's skill set is is a something we can use right now and he's a super exciting player and i can't wait for canada to meet meet his volleyball game but uh as we continue to understand how we play and what we want 
we'll continue to be able to get that information into the community and support the coaches and the PSOs and the universities in a way that, you know, can help us accelerate our development faster than, uh, not that it has been, but faster than, you know, to catch up. Because st- until we start winning those medals consistently, we're just not good enough yet. We're great, but we're not good enough. It seems like we, we took we took that step kind of that first step kind of a decade ago yeah. once Glenn took over the program Absolutely. to get into the thick of things. I mean, let's re- let's remember 2011. We were ranked 27th in the world and nowhere near the the top. You know, we finished third of the World League in 2017. So it's all obviously like we we've, we've bridged that gap. You think that the skill gap is the biggest thing that that's hold us back from from winning those medals? Oh no, I think that's a question for Glenn. I think Glenn has a way better answer for what we missed there. Um, you know, we have some. I'm more tried to identify the gaps moving forward. I didn't spend a whole lot of time looking at what 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 was missed. I as I I know Glenn has answers for all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's if we want to, if this team wants to go from where we are right now to where we need to be in Paris, that's what we spent our time looking for. And then again, I have a certain perspective on how I think the game is played as well and I think every coach has that Mm -hmm. and so now while I'm in charge of this team then we want to try to get these guys to play a way that is fits the way we coach and the way we think and the way we train and when there's synergy in that then then your team can really start to squeeze every drop out of their potential Um, just like you know Glenn was able and did an amazing job with his methodology of coaching the way he saw it played to create a brand that was Again, back-to-back quarterfinals, like that's an incredible accomplishment. So, but I, I, I'm not Glenn, and I'll never think like Glenn, and I don't have his experiences. But what I do have is my own, and that's kind of where we're creating a bit of a hybrid and building upon the great successes of the Giants. And now we got a bit of a different style, let's say. So if our st- elastic band ball, if the outside looks a little different, but the core is still Canadian, then I think we can continue to build on what was started by the previous generations. The new style is very fast. Is that is that a is is that a good way to to describe it? Just from what I've seen here, the speed mm. that we're setting a lot of these balls is is in, in incredibly fast. This team's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I hope so. Yeah. Is that something that you know you've always pushed with your Trinity, You're like with all of your teams? I'm I'm trying to remember, but I don't think I've ever seen something run it this fast. So I think what we strive for is efficiency and effectiveness and what however we have to play to do that is what we'll do so based on who we have and who we have to beat this is one of our strategies to create the points that we need and to find a way to score against a team like france that defends so well or a we got Germany on Tuesday and it's one of the biggest teams I've ever seen watching those guys walk in the hotel like holy smokes so I think we're pro- constantly going to be probing for advantages. So, th- but we don't want to have a thing. We're not a serving team. We're not a blocking team. We're not a fast offense. We don't have a thing. We just want to be good at volleyball and win games because that's all that truly matters. Um, I don't want a thing as a coach, and I don't want our team to have a thing. I want us to play a brand that's exciting, but more importantly, if it's effective and efficient. And if we can find that that effective efficiency by being hard to play against and being that that fun team to watch then I think that's a really great blend so yeah I think it's pretty quick but it's not fast for the sake of being fast it's fast to try to create advantage to score points and the moment we stop that then we'll change and uh effectiveness rules 
as we come into this VNL, obviously it's a little bit of a different schedule than 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 used to, but still you're going to be playing kind of four matches in in this first week. Are we going to see a, a variety of lineups coming through, and are we going to be kind of testing things out just to kind of find out what works and and who works with each other? Yeah, I mean we only have 14 athletes and we have four matches in six days, so uh, that's that's a, that's a lot. And um, we're early in this in the quad. I mean. Uh, Brett Walsh was had a good analogy last night. He's like, he put up his book and he said, "This is Olympics and this is us." And like, I mean, we're barely noticeable up started on this journey, and uh, so we have a we have to stay on on track to be great in three years. Um, the qualification ends after the VNL in twenty four, so hopefully we would have qualified before that. But qualification ends there. And if we do well enough, then that we bought ourselves another two months of volleyball at the ultimate prize. So everything we do is designed around getting to that event and winning a medal at that event. And so how we utilize our roster and how we are evaluating our people, it's all guided by those decisions. So, um, so we talk about these two lenses that we're making all decisions through. We have team and program. So the team is this one that we're trying to build for this summer to do well in VNL and be great for world championships. And then there's the program, and so that's the one that's going to play do well at Paris, do well at LA, do well at Brisbane. You know, so we have to as many times as we can make decisions that accomplish both lenses, the better decisions we're making. So I think that will guide a lot of our our stuff here as well. Is what how we play young guys like Elser or Howe or Dustin Louie versus how we leverage Mar and Hogue and Blankno. I think need to accomplish both those goals. So yeah, I mean, 14 guys, you're gonna see them all this week for sure. And uh, in what capacity and how often, I guess we'll we'll have to see how the day plays out, but all 14 guys will get some spin and you get to enjoy this new brand of Canadian Maple Volleys. It's gonna be fun. Now, with this new Olympic qualifying, every match is, is yeah. it matters. Is that something you're you're aware of, or is that something that you kind of, especially at th like this far away and at this point, you kind of need to push to the to the back of your mind and like let's focus on getting better now so we can be the best then. Yeah, I think all of those decisions are all aligned. You know, it's like uh, an interwoven you know rope. We have uh, three main objectives this summer, right? We have to make sure we qualify for VNL 23. Um, we have to make sure that we hang on to our, our ranking and ideally up it. And we have to onboard, you know, 10 new athletes into our A system. And if we accomplish those three goals through the VNL phase, then we've done it. We've done a really good job. Um, so if we've done all, if we've done all three of those things, then we've also moved ourselves closer to qualification and closer to perfor performing well at Worlds. And we've enhanced our depth. And uh, so those are kind of our main goals for the VNL. Now, how we go about it, I don't think is, uh, there's no clean answer to that. And that'll be, but... Those kind of objectives will guide a lot of our decisions through the VNL phase, and then we'll regroup and we'll get together for the World Championship phase, and that is the, the culmination of this summer. Um, we want to be great at that tournament. So a lot of what we're doing here is to set ourselves up to play great at that event, and uh, there's an opportunity to enhance our ranking and get closer to the, the qualification ranking that we need um, in case things don't go well for us at the tournament in uh, fall of 23. You just said you want to onboard ten guys into the national A team. That's a that's a of, of your three objectives. To me, that's the biggest one. Like yeah. ten guys. That's a lot of guys. Now this year, the programs. And then I mean, I do understand. Like we're, we we have to make up for lost time. 
based like we we have two lost years essentially due to covid yep. uh, from the, the past two years there's a lot of programs running this year yep. you know you've got the next gen you got b team u23s u21s where like how how are you going to be involved with that or is it at this point where you know that quality of coaching from across the country comes in to help support with all of those programs i think one of the things i love about this job is i get a, a chance to collaborate with the all of those teams so collaborate with the coaches and make sure that there's synergy in the style of training and the style of play for all those those coaches um so the fact that we yeah we got our our 21s our 23s and our next gen all operating and with a lot of crossover with coaching staff a lot of crossover with athletes um it's been super fun to strategize about which athletes we send where and who's training and why and how we streamline again the top to bottom organization of the development system um and that'll help us onboard so the guys we don't take to bulgaria you know so i had a meeting last night with some of the next gen coaches and we were talking about all right so this guy may not come to bulgaria if he's back with you this is what we need him to get better at so when we bring him to japan then he's ready for that and so it's this ability to strategize and communicate and collaborate with our development system in a really unique way that i think we've done in canada before and a lot but I don't know that a lot of nations have that much synergy through their whole model from the A-team coach to the U21 coach all working together on this stuff. But again, this is one of our strengths. We had all of these amazing teachers and available to us and we have this, um, this relationship basis to, to lean on to really upgrade our development speed. So I think that'll give us a chance to get these younger guys up to speed faster. So some nations are throwing their top 18 year olds into the first division, like, you know, Italy. Coletto, yeah. Right? But we don't have that. No. So let's, we, we'll never have that. So we can't let that be a limitation to us. What we do have is 32 professional teachers of the game and all bought into our culture, all for the good of development, not trying to win a professional game. So a professional coach will be limited by their needs to win to keep their jobs and move forward in their career. But none of our coaches are desperate to win a match to keep their jobs. So they're truly invested in development of both person and player. So what quality humans we're getting, you know, as Canadian players and the quality of learners that we're producing is, a, is the asset we have in our model. And we can also turn over a cycle if we unite 32 professional teachers, how fast can we develop our athletes? if we can get the right information. So it could be a weakness, but it also can be a strength. It all depends on how you leverage it. And this needs to be, again, the small army can defeat the big army because we're mobile. We can get 32 programs developing how many athletes more than the 15 to 20 athletes in a center in Europe. So, but can we leverage it? This will be the challenge for us. And I don't know if we can, and I'm, I know that we've been trying to do this for you know 30 years probably. But it does. But if it's the right path, then we got to figure out a way to make it happen. So um, that that's got to be part of our collaboration bit and getting all these coaches involved in our development system and me sharing that that'll be one of the best parts is in this off season. I'm a free agent to just like work with the youth sports coaches, work with our youth teams, and be in everyone's gyms and and collaborating and sharing whatever help I can as far as the vision and. Um, what an awesome opportunity for us to accelerate our development system in this off season. So that was one of my next questions. So in the off season, like you're, you won't be doing FTC, you won't be coaching pro. You're just going to be correct. That just, you'll be the head coach of team Canada. That's honestly, that sounds like a almost a dream job to you. Right. You get to be at home with your kids and family during the year. You get to kind of go around and, and work with everyone. And I, I know you, you love that part of it. So uh, it, it, it seems like a very inclusive model. 
yep. to to be working with. Is there, you know, is that going to extend kind of to, to anyone? Is anyone going to, I know, and I know you've invited other university coaches, like other rivals from other rival schools into your gym to before to learn. Is that going to be something that's going to be extended to almost everyone? 100% collaboration, relationships, and problem solving. Yeah, the three. That's it. Yeah. And they're, it's not a... Put tag, it on a t-shirt. Yeah, it's not a cliche. It's it's not a tagline. Like, this is who we are. And if we truly believe in those things, then that's what we've got to be about. And we have to build the relationships with all of the stakeholders, you know, PSLs, youth sports coaches, club coaches. We have to collaborate and make sure that every piece of information that can help this program needs to be included and evaluated. And and then we got to make sure that... You know the the problems that we can find were, were solutions based, not dismissive. And I think I've been incredibly guilty of that in my career. So uh, some of the things we're doing in a middle patterning, I dismissed maybe five six years ago because uh, a college coach showed me some of this stuff, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's never gonna work. How short sighted is that of me? That all of a sudden five six years later, I'm like, this is an awesome tool, and I'm remembering back to some of the stuff he showed me. I'm like, geez, how how fixed minded was I? And we just need to continue to challenge ourselves. We don't have the luxury of being fixed-minded and missing out on anything, no matter who says it. So what is the problem? And then let's find a, a way to find the solutions. And again, we're, we're, we have our, our limitations as a country, but we also have incredible uh, strengths. So the more times a team in a, in a country plays in their strengths and stops worrying about our limitations, the, the faster we're gonna accelerate towards our goals. And that has to be our mindset. And we somehow have to have enough humility and, and growth-mindedness to search out the solutions that will give us the edges. Is there any like concrete expectations with this team moving forward, or is it very much like a, a, a wait and see? Like you said, you had your goals yeah. of you know staying in in VNL and, and doing well at World Chance, but there's no you know we need to reach this position or else every everything else is a failure type of type of scenario, eh? Yeah, and I, I keep trying to express that to the fellas is. We're not good because we won a set, and we're not bad because we lost the set. And you're not good because you killed a kill, and you're not bad because you made an error. Like the 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 emotional attachment to outcomes is what we got to get rid of. And so if we can figure out, you know, uh, you know, trust the process is like the cliche, but is there a way to understand that as long as we're moving this ball down the field, you know, when we use the phrase "20 mile march," it's part of a, a good, great book. It's a really great kind of teaching phrase, but. As long as we're getting our 20 miles in, like we, we gotta believe that we're gonna get close enough to be where we where we need to be, to see one or two points play out our way. Um, I I'm not a huge believer in like goals and stuff. I, I know that's a point of contention with our mental performance coaches and I right now, but th I think there's some good science to support. It. But for me, it's just man, like here's our principles. Here's what we're working on. Let's just keep moving forward. And I don't know, getting too caught up in. I don't know, expectations is something I'm, I'm not super interested in. I like that. I like uh, I like not having expectations. Let's just go out and win. That's that's uh, that's the best way. Oh yeah, I'm not good at losing. That's for sure. So oh, I know that the plan is to win everything we play because I think that's how the sport's supposed to work. You're supposed to win. Then when the ball, when the, if there's a ref and a scorecard, they're supposed to win, and that will be our goal because that's sport. But we're also not going to defeat ourselves mentally if we don't, and we're not going to be. I think we're great because we did. So I don't. If they're gonna keep if they're gonna keep score, we're gonna win. I like that. Now, um, I saw a lot today in practice. Like you're still, you know, still stopping a lot and, and teaching a lot. Is, is that teaching going to be happening all throughout the mm -hmm. summer? And is that something that's going to kind of extend indefinitely with with this program? Yes. 
Inf- infinite teaching. 100%. And so I told the guys after practice, I said, uh, if you don't feel uncomfortable after practice and you feel like, oh, we got this, well, then we failed you and we haven't challenged you enough. So there, as long as, you know, there will never be a moment where they'll come out of practice feeling like, oh, we're, we're, we're sweet or we're in flow because that, that will never be the case when you play a good opponent. Mm-hmm. So we will always feel a little bit uncomfortable like we're not doing everything right. Because that's also the reality of the game. Is there's errors are a massive part of volleyball. That's why a game to 25 is crazy. Because you're going to make you know seven, eight errors every set minimum. You know those are just unforced. Six unforced plus the other force. Like you know th- this is just the game. So for us, we want to keep our the challenge of what we're asking them to do with the failure rate in an appropriate level. So we want them to feel uncomfortable, like there's more to do. But we also need to be have enough success that we're on track, and finding that balance. And then how to tweak that balance is some of the art of coaching, but teaching is the is the game. And then until we start, and we tell them until we put a medal around our neck at the end of this quad, then we can pause teaching, and then we can restart for the next quad because that's the job. But until that moment, we're never going to feel comfortable. We're never going to feel like there's not more to get better at. And that I'll never be comfortable and happy with the way we're playing because there'll always be something to find. And that's just that. Get comfortable being uncomfortable is is how to be really special at anything because the moment in the moment we stop striving for the next thing it's the moment we stop being the maple volleys now is that does that teaching and learning i guess extend to you and is that why you have someone like stefan hubner uh, from Lundberg on your staff yeah so yeah you know they always talk about get people around you who are better than you and my gosh i mean with stefan hubner you know two times i think he was in the all-world all-star team as a middle player i mean we were talking about he did all of the different people he's played with and 10 year 10 year european career and then now he's leveraged that into its amazing professional career and his wife was one of the top five players on the planet arguably when she was clicking like i mean yeah talk about somebody who he's lived the life that we all dream of he's been to the olympics as a coach and a player you know he's played in those leagues so what an amazing resource for me and and our team to to glean information and wisdom from and again just one of the best people to be around so um somebody like him he's been a great friend and mentor ever for years for me so the moment i got the job I was like steph will you help and he's like oh, yes and so i was pumped to have him and and then joe trinzi again is probably the smartest person i've ever come across in the game and he's our other assistant and his ability to blend analytics and and teaching is second to none like you'll never find a better teacher with data to support it it's just incredible his methodology so we have these two just incredible people let alone you know brock who's not with us this weekend but and brock's lived this life he's one of our alums and our legends of the program he's now leveraged that into a, an incredible coaching career so far and he's just getting started um you know that giving our, our access and again relationships collaboration problem solving are foundational and we're putting these really special people in our gym to help our, our men be better at the game this is the job so you know if i can get people who are better coaches than me coaching our players then man how, how greater could we be I'm I'm a little sad Brock is is not here. Yeah, I, me too. I, Brock, I wanted to congratulate you in person yeah. for your national championship this year, but I, I guess I guess that'll that that'll have to uh, that'll have to wait. Um, as we as we wrap things up here, um, if there's one thing, and you can only pick one of them, so you can't give me the three that you've been giving me. But if there's one thing that you're going to be remembered for, that you would like to be remembered for at the end of your time with the Maple Volleys, which is hopefully in many many years, many 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 years. Mm. What's that one thing you'd like to be? 
what a question. Holy smokes, Everett, that's incredible. I've never thought about that. Um, yeah, I'm not big on legacy or reputation or honestly success. I, I all that stuff stresses me out a lot. Um, man, I think I think if the athletes all feel like they got close to their best. Yeah, I felt. I think if they, they feel like we pushed them, and treated them in a way that they got really close to their best, I think then we're close to doing our job. We gotta, we gotta win the medal to do our job. Yeah, because that's what's next, right? That we gotta at least win the quarterfinal and get mm -hmm. to a medal match. Like that's the next obvious step. But I think to do that, yeah, I think if and that's such a fluffy answer. Hmm. When this program wins a medal, there needs to be a correlation to this window of time. Then, then we've done a good job. Interesting. When so this, team, when this team will win a medal. Okay. Canada's going to win a medal. And it, it could be in our lifetime. It could not be. This, I, I, I know that will happen. All right. And when we look back, I know that Glenn brought this team closer to that than they were when he started. Like, think, look at that pathway. And so I... I don't, I'm sure he's proud, but he should be incredibly proud with how far the program came under his guidance. And then I, it has to have, the, the next coach has to be able to say the same thing about my era, is whether we win the medal while I'm here or not, that next coach who does, or what someday looks back, look what Glenn was able to do to build on, and then look what Jolson was able to do, and then look what whatever the next guy was to be. And that, you can draw a straight line leading to that medal that this, this country will win in this game. So, yeah, when it's all said and done, if we're closer to that and we can clearly believe that we took the torch further down the road, then th then I'll feel good about this era. I like your confidence that we're going to win a medal hey, at the, the Olympics. Um, but do do other things matter? Do the World Championships matter? Like, do those do, are those just like kind of posts as like benchmarks, or do do they matter in the grand scheme of things? Like, if does a World Championship medal? matter compared you know comparatively to an olympic medal for example yep yeah but just not as much nope no fair enough the entire the the whole country isn't watching at the world championships well, the world championship is in many ways a way better tournament way better yeah because you have i mean there's so many great volleyball teams that don't get to play in the olympics like mm -hmm. look like serbia and slovenia weren't there last year and yeah they were you know especially last summer they were two of the best and the hottest teams in the whole world so you could argue that World Championships is a way better tournament, and, and but it's not the the ultimate test of the quad. The quads are built in Olympic quads and quadrennials, so the Olympics is the culmination of the entire four years. I mean, you got to be great for four years to be great for two weeks to be great for two hours. It's the phrase. So, World Championships is part of that process. So is VNL. So is World Cup. And the World Championships is your you know your midway mark to know where you're at. And not many teams have won world championships and the Olympic Games. And if you, I, I guarantee you, Poland would trade their world championship for that Olympic gold medal. I was, I was, just, about to, I was just about to point so out Poland, I think yeah. The world championships is an incredibly important tournament to know where you're at, but it's everybody's shooting yeah. for the gold medal at the Olympic Games. Like, that is what, I mean, Joe was talking about, was there 7,000 people in the Olympic Village or something, and there's 7 billion people? So you're literally one of a million if you can get to the Olympic Games. 
I mean, think about that. And then if you're one of the people who can win that thing, like this is this is what sport immortality is all about. Like if you if you're truly invested into being the best of your craft, winning Olympic Games is what it's all about. And uh, man, alive, think about that '84 cycle. Like how close those guys were to that medal. And I mean, we owe it to a country to get back to that thing and and put one up. But um, yeah, I, I think that's yeah. World Championship is really important, but the it's all building towards Paris 24 for every team in the world. Mm-hmm. And I, I think anyone who tells you otherwise probably is lying. Do you, do you feel rushed because you only have three years instead of four? Incredibly rushed. This uh, international calendar is such a unique thing. Like we had the six-week training block, which is more than we usually get, but we only had two weeks with our senior players after they got back from their European clubs. So, man, two weeks to try to onboard everyone into a, a system is challenging. And then we go in this incredibly intensive five-week window with VNL. So we're playing all these matches all over the planet. And it's actually quite an easy travel schedule compared to other years. Yeah, but, way easier. Right? So then we have this. And then it's, then you have this tight training block. And then this four-week tournament for Worlds. And it's like, wow. And then you're done. And then everyone's gone. And it's like you have this. It feels like you never have enough time. So we were saying yesterday, man, I wish we had two more weeks. But I can't imagine a scenario where we're going to be like not wishing we had two more weeks to train. Mm-hmm. So I think... One of the things that this group has shown already, and I think this will drive this group's success, is on Thursday we played a match, on Friday we had a training session, some video work, on Saturday we had another servant pass, and Saturday night they upgraded the two or three things that we identified, and they made instant changes, and, and it performed. And now we identified another thing, and so we had to see tomorrow if they were able to, if we're going to upgrade it. And the team that is willing to upgrade amidst competition is the one that we're going to see become the most improved teams in the world. And so that's something we we want to be, and uh, our ability to upgrade between matches in these practice sessions. So like today, what Stefan was saying, he was really proud of us because we were learners the whole practice, not trying to get a good feel in the new gym. Like they were engaged in the in the learning and upgrading like for an hour and a half today was all we had. And uh, that was just so proud because we're not trying to feel good, we're trying to get better. And the teams that stay with that the longest will get close enough and be the most improved team in the world. And I think the other one is, uh, we talked to our guys a lot about, um, every team in the world is gonna practice, you know, let's say three, four hours a day and then what they do in the other 20 hours is going to determine who's truly the te- the most improved team. And I've, this group is incredible with their ability to consume video and consume knowledge and collaborate with each other. And they've been doing that for, you know, six weeks now. Imagine if they can do that for another two and a half years. I mean, that, that truly is a team that might be able to do some of the things that we're dreaming about. But, you know, we, we can't guarantee we'll get those goals, but I promise you we will not if we aren't the best team outside the gym in the world. And uh, yeah, they're, they're doing a really great job so far, but everybody can be good for two weeks. Can you be good for four years to be good for two weeks to be good for two hours? I mean, look at look at Argentina, right? They're, they're a team that kind of middle of the pack they ended up with a medal at the end of the Olympics, right? So that's, as you said, four years for, for two weeks for two hours. I, I like how you break that down. Now, tomorrow night you're going to be uh, coaching your first ever official match as the head coach of, of the Maple Volleys. Um, pre-game, you know, before the anthems, are you going to allow yourself a little bit of time to, you know, be aware of your surroundings and just kind of like take it all take it all in? Or are you going to be focused on the match at hand? Oh, I think that's always my favorite part. Um, I, I remember when we got to coach with the women's team or a Fichu team or anything. 
anytime the anthem plays and you're wearing the flag, that that's that's a moment to pause and reflect and be thankful for the opportunity and this great country we get to live in and the great people we get to be with. And no, I for sure will definitely make sure that let that wave wash over and get a little emotional. And then, because I think that's a great fuel for us to play well too. Because it's an honor to play for this this nation and. We want to play well for the people of it and the opportunities we've been given because of being we're Canadians. So, oh, for sure, that that that's my favorite part of the whole match. The rest of the time is just anxiety and stress. You did tell me the other day that you do much prefer training than than for games sure. times. I love practice. I hate games. Which which I've always found interesting because I've always found you know you talk about I've seen your teams improve set to set. You know, I've seen you make mid-game adjustments that change things along, you know, quickly. So I've always deemed you as a very good in-game okay, manager. So I get way too much credit for that stuff. Yeah. From, from external sources, it, the f- the teams that you've seen that from, and I and I believe this team is another one that's on that path. They're incredible learners, and their relationships, the way they share information, like I'm so little a part of what that what that is. Those are really incredible competitors who are great at communicating with each other about what's being missed i'm just trying not to screw it up by getting emotional and saying something that's going to derail all of the great stuff that they're doing in matches and in timeouts so i've heard this before and and i need on the record like that is wrong okay those teams that have done those things in sets that is that is a, a great group of men who understand what we're trying to do and the principles behind it and have the ability to collaborate together to make those changes um, and we as staff did a really good job of not getting in the way of that because we don't affect the game enough to, to, for those things to change. I mean, if athletes can't collaborate and make those changes, then, that, then the team will never perform. And those teams that I've been a part of that have watched that, and I saw that happen with this team on Saturday, um, those are the teams that can really come upgrade and find our way through tough matches. And I think this group's got that stuff. Um, and I've seen some of those teams in the past, and I, I don't think coaches have nearly as much influence as either they think they do or people think that coaches do um athletes make plays athletes make adjustments and coaches mostly just screw it up to be fair it sounds like this is going to be a very athlete driven group you got it right these are the guys who make the plays the lights are on and especially now we have one timeout so vnl oh, we have true. one timeout of this one tech and so we even have less impact than we've ever had in a game so sometimes you can say something in a timeout that might help we have one of those now, and there's only one time. It's crazy. So, which is again, the the more your athletes are able to collaborate and share information and make adjustments on their own, the more effective your team will be. And so, I just think it reinforces the need for great learning and great problem solving skills as a group. And uh, again, those are core principles for us. But I think those are really what makes great volleyball teams. I mean, can you imagine like the, the Brazilian team from the from the 2000s, like only doing what they were told? Like, there's no way that team wins those games. I'm sure Rosende had a lot of really great things to say, but there's no way that Ricardo and Giba and Dante were, like, only doing everything Rosende told them. And, mm-hmm. and think about, you know, every great champion. Like, watching France play last summer, you know, you watching, like, I observed Coach Tilly was just very freeing for the athletes to let them be who they were, and they played with this amazing freedom um, to, to win that tournament. And I think the really great volleyball teams show a, a freedom – and a flair that is just super athlete driven freedom within the system that that's what uh, truly makes great teams i think kind of reminds me of don cherry talking about coaching the bruins <laughs> and about how he you know we would just send bobby Orr and the rest of the guys to go do their power play and they're like what you're not going to do it for us he's like what 
You think I'm going to tell you how to run your power play? Totally. Like me, you know, like yeah, yeah. very much like you got to, you got to trust the guys who are, you got to trust your horses who are running for you. Totally. Maybe our job is to shine the light on something they haven't thought of mm-hmm. or, or give them a new way to think about stuff. You know, something Joe Trinzi is amazing at. It's just, well, just think about this. Like if you can't score it at 50%, then don't make that choice. Such an easy way to think about it. And all of a sudden, maybe that resonates with Stephen Marr. But at the end of the day, Steve has to gather the information, make the right decision, and have the skill and physicality to make that shot. So who actually made the play? Like, let, let's be really clear what the adjustment was. Mm-hmm. We signed some light on some information. The athletes correlate and in implement that information to their play. That's a great volleyball player or a great hockey player. And, uh, and again, coaches take and get too much credit for stuff like that. And... Uh, Again, this is an athlete-driven game, and this will be an athlete-centric team, and uh, I think they all should be. Well, Coach, can't thank you enough for taking the time. Thank you for giving us the insight. Once again, congratulations on on the promotion. Congratulations on the job. As I mentioned before, I can't think of anyone who's more deserving to lead this this new generation of uh, Maple Volleys into the next few years. So congratulations. Best of luck, uh, best of luck this week, and best of luck in the VNL. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll do a few more of these, but more in our normal style, where oh, we, yeah, we yeah. stand up and yeah. then do a, a, a post game. That's uh, yeah. we're we're used to those ones. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Well, go Canada. Go Canada. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Coach. Hopefully, I didn't run too long there.